let me let me just say this to the kids. What is this? It's a Bible. Adults, what is this? It's a Bible. It's a Bible. It's God's Word. It's not a book, but it's a collection of books written over 1,600 years by more than 40 different people. Isn't that neat? Isn't that amazing? Divided to two different, two different um, areas, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And we're going to be in the Old Testament. We've been in the Old Testament now for about six or eight weeks. We're going to be in the book of Ecclesiastes. The, what about a child? Who is there a child here that can tell me, who do we think wrote the book of Ecclesiastes? Who is it, Cody? Your mama told you I saw it. No, I saw it. I saw it, y'all. <laughs> we think Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And listen, I've been, it's been really neat to be able to go online and listen to the, uh, to the sermons online the past couple of weeks. And if you, if you happen to miss, you can go online and pick up those sermons. And it's really good um, to be able to do that because if you miss, I don't like missing. I don't like being apart from the family. But if you're apart from the family and you have to be apart, you have the ability to be able to pick up those sermons. But we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 today. We believe, yes, we do believe that Solomon was the one that wrote this based on what we find right up front. But they say we really don't know. Um, but what we're going to do today is, is we're going to talk about a couple of words to start off with. We're going to talk about two words that comfort and control. Two pretty good words, right? Everybody in here like to be comfortable? How many control people do we have in here? Raise your hands. <clears throat> Some of you I can point you out. Okay. Comfort and control. They're not really those, those, they're not bad, they're not really that bad of words. However, if those words become to define us, they can bring us an awful lot of problems. In other words, if, if those are issues, if those are things that we're specifically seeking for in our life, if we're seeking for just comfort, if we're seeking for just control in our lives, they can bring us an awful lot of struggles. Because this is what I know. This is what I know. Is this. If they become the main concern of the pursuits in life, we'll end up struggling because there's always going to be that next thing. Are you with me? If you're in reference to comfort, there's always going to be that next thing that you got to have. You know, if, if I can just have this, and then you find out when you get this, this really doesn't solve the problem of being satisfied. And then some of us say, well, if I can just have that position, then I'll be, and you'll find out when you get that position that there's still, there's something that's missing. And what we're going to talk about today, and we may not make it all the way through, and I'm really I'm really okay with that because I don't want to rush through this. There's only one thing in life that brings satisfaction, and it's not comfort, and it's not control. And kids, in your, in your little handout, and you guys should have a handout, something like this. One of the things that you can write down in that bottom line where it says down at the bottom, it says God wants us to stay, you can write this. The only thing that brings satisfaction in life is God. God alone satisfies Adults, do you believe that to be true? But do we live that way? See, how many of us say we believe that to be true? I mean, we say we, we believe that to be true, but how many of us are still seeking after comfort? And how many of us are still seeking after control or power, saying that 
and in the meantime saying that we believe that God is the only one that satisfies and then all along this journey we're being held in bondage and we're wrestling so let's read today and see what Solomon has to say because I think that he's got something today that he may say to us that may impact our lives I think there may be some aha moments today I really do this is very impactful Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 1 let's start off there this is how he starts out a good reputation is more valuable than costly perfume and the day you die is better than the day you were born better to spend your time at funerals than at parties after all everyone dies so the living should take this to heart sorrow is better than laughter for sadness has a refining influence on us a wise person thinks a lot about death while a fool thinks only about having a good time better to be criticized by a wise person than to be praised by a fool a fool's laughter is quickly gone like thorns crackling in a fire this is also meaningless would you pray with me today father thank you for the opportunity to gather as your people in this place to hear a word from you father I'm praying today that we would not only hear your voice but we would understand the depth of what you're wanting to teach us father I pray today that you'd give us the courage and the strength to take what we hear the words that are spoken and to apply your wisdom to our lives father I pray that your priorities would be our priorities this is what I know as I read and I hear I recognize father just how how much I have failed you and father how weak and inconsistent I am in my own life so father today would you speak to our hearts would you teach us something in Jesus name amen so kids what is the bottom line the bottom line is what only God brings satisfaction kids say that with me only God brings satisfaction adults will you join them only God brings satisfaction in the long run regardless of what we purchase what position we may hold the benefits will only be temporary sure things may satisfy you for a season but seasons come and go don't they come and go satisfaction will fade and they won't last long so with that in mind let's look at our first point today and this may be as far as we get as I as I look at time because I'm not going to hold us very long today I want to don't want to be rushed let's look at the emptiness of comfort so if you like to take notes you might want to write this down the emptiness emptiness or the bottomless pit of comfort comfort doesn't satisfy over the long haul and this is what I want you to do I want you to go back to those passages of Scripture that we just that we just read and I want you to underline the times that it says more valuable or better because you're gonna find that probably four or five or six times probably about five times you're gonna see the words more valuable or better and so what is it that Solomon is talking about here when he says this what is what is he saying what's what's he talking about is in reference to better and the first thing I want you to write down is this reputation matters reputation matters and this is what he says in in verse 1 a good reputation is more valuable than costly perfume and the day you die is better than the day you were 
born. How many of you have ever considered your reputation? How many of you have ever think about what other people say about you? How many of you wonder, I mean, do people say, man, he's a great businessman. He's an honest businessman. He's a faithful businessman. He's a trustworthy businessman. You know, they're a great employee. They're a hardworking employee. They're a trustworthy employee. They're a faithful husband. They're a faithful wife. They're a godly wife, a godly husband. They're a faithful child. I mean, what, what is it when, when people mention your name, what do they say? What is it they, they think when, when your name is mentioned? I was at a funeral the other day, and Bill, you were there, Joe Simons. I heard it said over and over again, Joe Simons was a good man. He was a faithful man. He was an honest man. He was, an, he was a godly man. You know, what is it that, that people are going to say about you one day when they're, they're standing over you and they're saying a few words? What is it that people say about you? Not them, but what is it that people say about you now? And here he is. He says that reputation matters. He says a good reputation is more valuable or better than a costly perfume. This is really interesting because in the Hebrew, good name is the word shem in, the word, in Hebrew. In the word ointment in Hebrew is the word shemen. And it's a play on words. And he's saying here that a good name is much more than something that smells good. And that's something that has a sweet aroma, but it is good. And in that culture, oil or perfume was also a symbol of joy and prosperity. And so Solomon uses oil and perfume as a metaphor for reputation or name. And in the, in, in the book of Song of Solomon, it says this, Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfume. Your name is like a perfume poured out. Wow. But a good name isn't good enough to get you to heaven, is it? As good as your name may be here on this earth and as good as people may think about you, your good name isn't good enough to get you to heaven. Your good name isn't good enough to bring you comfort when it comes in reference to your heavenly father. Because what your heavenly father thinks matters most. And then he goes on to say, the day you die is better than the day that you were born. The, the day that you were born. In other words, it's better to come to the end of your life with a good reputation to be born and live the rest of your life like a fool. What do we do when babies are born? We celebrate. I mean, we celebrate. We throw parties. You know, you have these baby showers and everybody celebrates when a baby's born. And here he is, selling, it's, here he is saying, listen, it's better to come to the end of life and die with a good reputation than to be born and live the rest of your life like a fool. Look at what he goes on to say there in verses 2 through 4. Better to spend your time at funerals than at parties. After all, what? Everyone what? Get a load of that. Yeah. That's hard to imagine. But every one of us in here has something in common, and it's not the fact of our hair color. Or the fact that we have hair. But every one of us in this room, at some point in time, we're going to die. And he says, everyone dies, so the living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for sadness has a refining influence on us. A wise person thinks a lot about death, while a fool thinks only about having a good time. And write this down, pain refines. Pain refines. 
Pain and adversity are the opposite of, of comfort. Have you ever known times of comfort to be a strong development of our character? What happens usually in times of comfort? We become lazy, don't we? Pain and suffering don't usually add up to the development of character or maturity. Comfort doesn't usually change us for the better. But what about pain and suffering? Do you believe that pain and suffering has the ability to, to change and to help us mature and to grow? Yeah. Helps us become more compassionate. Adversity and pain can drive us and turn us toward the Lord and help us to become dependent on Him. Comfort can cover up where pain can reveal Pain has the ability to expose our weaknesses. Pain can cause us to look inward and to evaluate what really matters. Go back and take the book of Hebrews in chapter 11 and see the numbers of people here that was listed that went through times of difficulty and times of struggle. The Bible's full of characters that went through difficulty and suffering, and yet they persevered. And what happened in their life is they persevered, as they encountered difficulty, as they encountered tragedy. They didn't quit and they didn't give up, but yet they endured inside of the pain. You know, they used to tell us in football growing up, no pain, no gain. There's a big sporting event that's fixing to take place in the next few weeks. What is it? There will be no Olympian that, that, that participates in the Olympics that has not been stressed, that has not went through tremendous amounts of suffering and difficulty to get to where they are. You believe that? Yeah. Pain refines, and look at the contrast here, a funeral versus a party, sorrow versus laughter, death versus a good time. I don't know of anybody that enjoys a funeral. I don't know of anybody that enjoys being sorrowful or enjoys pain, but Solomon says, listen, it's good for the soul. And if God allows that type of difficulty to enter into our lives, it has a way of providing growth and maturity. And you know it's true because some of you in here in this room have walked through it, and you're different as a result of the suffering. You're different, and you're more mature as a result of the pain. So you've learned something. You've learned something about patience, or you've learned something as a result of some of the things that you've walked through in life. There's some stories there's some stories that could be told in here. We have a tendency to think, and I was talking with Brother Ted earlier, we have a tendency to think that the Christian life is all about roses and smelling good. It ain't that way. God allows us to walk through times of difficulty because he loves us. None of us want to, listen, there's some things in life I never want to go back and have to experience, but I'll tell you what, some of those things in life that I've had to, that I've had to walk through, they've made me more sensitive to the lives of others. There's been some pain that I've walked through that I could walk into a room and I could, I could be really sensitive and see and just sense what God was doing in somebody else's life because I'd been there. When you walk through infertility and then you have to see some of the other couples that are dealing with that, they don't talk about it. They don't talk about that. It's not something you really want to talk about, but you can see it and you can identify with where that pain and where that suffering has been, where, you know, when you've, been, when you've been unfairly treated, or at least you feel you've been unfairly treated, you can identify with others that are in that same situation. Affliction and difficulty removes the superficial and bring force, brings forth growth 
and maturity. And this is what Paul had to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. For the present troubles that we're facing are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. We have no idea what God may be doing. Yet how many times do we run from the pain and the suffering? We're going to talk about that in a few minutes because there are some temptations that follow us when we walk into times of trouble and into times of difficulty. There's some temptations that we want to that we we have a tendency to fall into. But before we do that, let's talk about criticism reveals. Look at verses five and, and six. Anybody like to be criticized or rebuked? Nope. We don't like it. From the voice of a child, you heard it. I don't know of any of us in this room that I don't is there such thing as constructive criticism? We may think there is, but we don't think there is, right? It doesn't seem that way. I mean, to pour our lives into something, to have somebody come back, come back to us and say, listen, can we sit down and talk about something? No, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to talk about it. And then we come up with these thoughts, you know, they just got it out for me. They don't really love me or care about me. It's just the fact they've got it out for me. But I had a wise person tell me once time, one time, listen, you, you always can take something from every conversation. You can always take something from every conversation. The writer in Proverbs, as a matter of fact, says this in 29.1, whoever stubbornly refuses to accept criticism will suddenly be destroyed beyond recovery. And look at what Solomon says there in verse 5, better to be criticized by a wise person than to be praised by a fool. Now, we're not talking about being criticized or rebuked. Or, or somebody speaking to you that doesn't love you, but we're talking about somebody here who, who affectionately cares for you. How many kids have ever had their parents tell you to go back to your room and clean it again? It wasn't done good enough. Raise your hand, kids. All kids can. How many husbands have ever had their wives tell you, go back and do it again because it's not been done good enough? See, kids, I told you we have a lot of fun in here. My mom gave me something when I graduated, and I read some of it the other day for you not long ago. It said something like this, that I loved you enough to tell you, I loved you enough to allow you to clean your room, something that took you two hours, but it would only have taken me a few minutes. But I allowed you to do that and to walk through that stress um, knowing that it that you were going to not like me for it. But in the end, I knew that you would gain something from it. We don't like somebody criticizing us or rebuking us. We don't like that. But he says here, better to be criticized by a wise person than to be praised by a fool. The whole point is here, criticism can reveal, even though it may not be easy, it can provide insight and improvement. Proverbs 27, 6 says, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Shouldn't have to be afraid of those that love us, even though they may share with us some very, very difficult things. And I love verse 6. A fool's laughter is quickly gone. You know, laughter won't last for long because of the consequences of the fool, of what the fool eventually experienced. See, the fool's laughter won't last very long. He says, it's like the crackling of, 
like thorns crackling in a fire. This is meaningless. You guys ever sit around a fire and, and there's a fire, you're in the fire pit and you're cooking some s'mores or something, and what does that fire do when you, when you first light it? What does it do? It crackles and eventually it fades away, doesn't it? And eventually you don't hear that crackling anymore. And what Solomon says here, a fool's laughter is quickly gone because the fool's laughter will eventually turn to mourning because of the consequences of their, deci- because of the consequences of their decisions. Fool's laughter is short-lived, and they don't satisfy over the long haul. And then I want you to write down this as we look at the next few verses. I want you to write down patience. Patience protects. And right up front there in verse, in verse 7, he uses a word. He uses the word extortion. Um, but let's, let's change that word a little bit because it's better. It's maybe better paraphrased oppression. Because I'm going to explain it to you. Extortion means to obtain something through force or threat. But here, a better definition of this word might be oppression, to be oppressed. And listen at what he says. Extortion turns wise people into fools and bribes corrupt the heart. Finishing is better than starting. And patience is better than pride. Control your temper. For anger labors you a fool. Don't long for the good old days. This is not wise. It is so easy to make dumb decisions when you're going through difficult times. Everybody say, Amen. It is so easy to do things that are out of character, that are out of norm when you're being, when you're in a time that you're pinched. Are you with me? Man, when things aren't going the way that you think they should go, and all of a sudden, man, you do something that's totally out of character. And so what he's saying here is patience protects. There are some temptations that he talks about here in light of the difficulty of adversity. And I want you to write this down. Write this word greed. Write the word greed down. Greed, the intense selfish desire for something. And look at what he says there in verse 7, extortion or oppression turns wise people into fools, bribes corrupt the heart. Like I said, we do some dumb things when we are stressed. Financial decisions, I mean, have you ever felt bad and you went out and made a bad financial decision, you felt like you just had to have something, an intense desire for something? You allow yourself into that position that you never would likewise. Look at verse 8. He said, finishing is better than starting. Patience is better than pride. Write down the word conceit. Not only greed are we tempted in the area of greed, but we're also tempted in the area of conceit. There's a story in Luke chapter 14, verse 8. Let me go over here and read it to you. I'm going to read it to you in the NIV. Jesus tells a parable. Luke chapter 14. Those of you that are fast, you can can read me. If you just want to listen, you can listen. This is what Jesus said. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who has invited both of you will come and say to you, give this man your seat. So you got a guy that comes in and takes the most honored seat. But you may not be the most honored person. And so here he is, the host come and says, listen. 
Give this man your seat. Then humiliated, you'll have to take the least important place. But when you're invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he'll say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all of your fellow guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And the temptation here that we'll face in times of difficulty is to act like we're more important than we are. Solomon says it's better, better to be patient and humble and allow God to lift us up instead of tooting our own horn. You know, one of the lies of, of the devil himself is, to, is for him to make us feel as if we're not that important, that God doesn't care, or he doesn't know what's going on in our lives, or, or we just don't matter. The deceiver himself wants us to make us feel as if we're forgotten, that we're unrecognized. And then what we end up doing is we try to spend our time trying to prove ourselves. Are you with me? But we don't need to do that, do we? Because God is gracious. We don't need to prove ourselves to ourselves. We don't need to prove ourselves to anybody else. And we surely don't need to prove ourselves to God. Because our worth to God isn't based on something we do for Him. He loves us, period. It's hard to grasp, isn't it? But one of the temptations that we face is not only greed, but conceit. And then we try to prove ourselves, even when we don't deserve it. Another temptation might be that of anger. Look at, look at verse 9. Control your anger, for anger labels you a fool. Anybody blown that this week? Man, the kids called me out on it this past week. Daddy, they can hear you holler. I can hear you hollering in the house, and the doors are closed. Anybody blown it this morning? Anybody gotten angry because things didn't go your way? Things weren't working the way that you thought they should go? What are some of the things that cause us to be angry? It's an open question. What are some of the things that cause us to be angry? Huh? Attitudes? Things don't go our way. What causes us to be angry? Stress? Misunderstandings? Huh? Injustice? What we consider to be unfairness? Hurt feelings? Disagreements? Somebody let you down? Do what? Corruption? Maybe it's, um, maybe it's like blown dreams, dreams that have, that, have, that have not been lived out. You know, what are the things that, that cause us not getting what we want or having, having what we want right now? We, we're not getting what we want right now. We get angry. It causes us to be impatient. You know, the farmer himself knows that things take time. To produce a harvest that the ground has to be tilled, the rocks have to be picked up, the seeds have to be planted and fertilized and watered and weeded, and then he has to wait on God to bring the growth and expectation. But if, but if he's, but he's faithful, and if God allows, the harvest will be experienced. Look at what he says here in verse 10. And those of us that are older, I want you to pay very close attention to this. 
because I promise you, you've probably fallen into this. Look at what he says here. Write down the word longing. Longing. Verse 10, don't long for the good old days. That, this is not wise. It is so easy to look back, isn't it? And say, I remember when. It's so easy to get caught up looking back, especially as we grow older, wishing that we could have some of the same experiences when we can't go back. We can't repeat the past. And when we do that, what it does is robs us of the present opportunities that are right before us. How many of us get stuck in the past? How many of us look at the past and, and we long for things like they used to be? And what Solomon says here is he said, listen, man, it can trip you up. It can trip you up. It can be a mistake. It can be so easy to become distracted and discouraged instead of holding on and continuing to grow in our faith in the, in the times of difficulty. And then I want you to write this down. Wisdom. Wisdom saves. So we've got reputation. Reputation matters. We've got pain refines. We've got um, criticism reveals. Patience protects. And now wisdom saves. And this is what he says in verse 11. Wisdom is even better when you have money. Both are a benefit as you go through life. Wisdom and money can get you almost anything, but only wisdom can save your life. Accept the way God does things, for who can straighten what is, he has made crooked? Enjoy prosperity while you can, but even hard times. But when hard times strike, realize that both come from God. Remember that nothing is certain in this life. Well, he talks about wisdom and money, and obviously he says here that both are good. Wisdom and money are good. I mean, anybody disagree that money's bad? Money's not bad, is it? What's bad? Brian talked about that last week. Even Brian even talked about Elvis last week. Now, where? He's not even old enough to even, he wasn't even born when Elvis died, right? I thought when I heard that online, I thought, hey, how does he even know about Elvis? <clears throat> Money can provide and help us. It can defend us. It's, it's good. Wisdom can even help us make wise financial choices that God has blessed us with. But listen to this. He says this. He says, only wisdom can what? Only wisdom can save us. Not money, but he says wisdom saves us. And then look, look what he says wisdom leads us to. Wisdom leads us to accept the way, verse 13, accept the way God does things. Wisdom, understanding, trust, and faith, verse 13, accept, leads us to accept the way God does things. For who can straighten what he has made crooked? We can't straighten out what God has made crooked. We can't straighten out what God is doing. And he says here, there are times in life when it just doesn't make sense. Mike Tucker, you ever, you, ever, you ever walk through that, man? And you're like going, man, somebody help me out. God, this just doesn't make any sense. And we can't straighten it out. We can't make, I mean, we can't figure it out. We can't make it work. It just doesn't, it, 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 I can't seem to make it add up. 
And God, why in the world? And he says in verse 13 or verse 14, there are days of prosperity and there are days of difficulty. I mean, there are days when when things are great and there are days when things just aren't so great. There are days when, man, I'm walking through prosperity and doesn't have anything to do with my choices. And there are days when I'm walking through bad things and it doesn't have anything to do with my choices. You hear me? There are some days that we walk through bad things and it has to do with our choices. But at the end, he says here, remember that nothing is certain in this life. But when we trust God with our lives, that's wisdom. When we look to God, that is wisdom. See, God's primary concern for our lives is not temporary, our temporary comfort, but our sanctification and eternal security. That's important. That our, God's primary concern for our life is not temporary comfort. Listen to this. God's primary concern for us is not temporary comfort. That's not his primary concern, but eternal security and our sanctification and becoming more like Christ. We must make him the priority of our lives because he is the only one that satisfies. Nothing else, not even the circumstances that we're walking through at this moment because those circumstances will what? They'll change. They'll change. I promise you they'll change. If you've lived long enough, you'll know that they change. And comfort is great, but that's not the goal. And you may be experiencing smooth sailing right now, but Solomon would say, listen, at the end of the day, comfort is not only empty, but it's meaningless. It's meaningless. And the pursuit of comfort at the end of the day, is meaningless. It's a bottomless pit. Because why? Because only God satisfies. And I'm going to stop there today. I'm not going to go to the second point. We'll finish that up next week. Um, I don't know what you're walking through right now. I don't know what you're... I don't know if you're sunbathing in the prosperity of life, or I don't know if you're walking through the depths of darkness. But I know the only thing that satisfies, and that's Jesus. That's the only thing that satisfies. If you put your trust in your financial account, don't do it. If you put your trust in your spouse, if you put your trust in your children, if you put your trust in your education, if you put your trust in your position or your business, if you put your trust in your vacation time or your vacation rental or your boat or whatever it may be, it won't last long. Only Jesus satisfies. And if you don't know him, what keeps you from making the most important decision of your life? You know what it is? You. That's it. What keeps you from making the most important decision of your life and saying, Jesus, man, I want to trust you and I want to follow you and I want to obey you? It's your pride. Because what you say when you say, I don't need you, Jesus, you say, I got it under control. You know what God says? I'll let you have it. When you're ready to come to me, you come to me. I'll give it to you. But the Bible tells us what? That there'll come a time when every knee will bow 
and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But if you don't know him today, what is it that keeps you from making the most important decision of your life? The answer to that is you and your pride. Would you pray with me today? Father, thank you for the words of Solomon that we read in the scriptures. We're able to, to read and to hear. And now we've got to figure out, God, how do we apply? I pray that we'd not be caught off guard, but Father, we'd be reminded of what your word has to say. And Lord, we would apply it in those areas that, that are applicable. I'm praying for the persons, those of us here that are followers of Jesus, God, that we wouldn't, we wouldn't be caught off guard. Father, that when we walk through those times of pressures, that we wouldn't give in to greed or, or, or looking back or, or Father, um, or conceit, conceitfulness. Father, I, I pray that we wouldn't fall into those times, but understanding that the, that's the reality. But Father, I pray that we would trust you with our lives. And Father, we would understand we cannot correct the crooked paths that may lie before us. And Lord, I pray for the person here today that may not know Jesus, that may have never come to that place in their life that they've chose to trust him. To trust Jesus means to, Father, to, to humble ourselves to that place, to recognize our need, to recognize the fact that, that Lord, we need you. To recognize that we're a sinner. To recognize that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sin 2,000 years ago. And to recognize our desperate need for salvation only comes through Jesus, not through our performance or our works. That our salvation comes as a result of what Jesus did, not what we do. That when he died on that cross, he died demonstrated his love for us. That even while we were still yet sinners, he died for us and father that free gift of salvation is offered to every one of us that are here every one of us that are that are that are sinners that all we have to do is is to pray to receive Jesus to trust him with our lives and if there's someone here today that doesn't know him even today they have the ability to say Jesus I believe and I want to trust you and if that person's here those people are here today even this this morning Lord would they even whisper Jesus I need you I'm a sinner, and this morning I want to trust you. I want to follow you with my life. Father, I'm praying for those that may make that decision. I'm praying that even after this service, they would come to me and say, today I made that decision to follow Jesus, that today I want to give my life to Christ. I want to be wise. I want to be wise. Father, I pray that as we celebrate our our country's independence, Lord, this week, that we would be safe. Father, I pray that we would be very vigilant as we go in and about our community. Father, I pray that we would recognize those that are suffering, those that are hurting, those that are in need around us, and we would be very generous in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and the hope that we have because of the, the bloodshed of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for the opportunity we have to be your ambassadors in this community and beyond for the opportunity we have to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to our hurting country. Father, I pray today that we would be, that we would not only um, be, be um, churchgoers, Father, I pray that we would be living out a legacy of faith wherever we are on a daily basis. Father, I thank you so much for our children being so 
so great today. It's been wonderful having them. And Lord, even today, I'm praying for our children that they've absorbed some of the things that we've talked about today. May you bless us as families as we go. May we be instruments of your peace. In Jesus' name I pray.